good evening, everybody. Welcome. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. It's been a it's been a nice little weekend, nice slow weekend. I worked all weekend mostly on videos, but hey, you know it's it's, it's what I do. Welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means we can get you if you think you might have a paranormal need. It may take us a couple days because California is a huge state. A lot of us, a lot of, including me, think of California as oceans and beaches and surfers. It is. It is. But there's also parts of California that are more rural. We not only have oceans and all that, we have deserts, high deserts. We have a lot of mountains. And we have a lot of farm space. So it's a wide, 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 big state. So like I said, it might take us a couple of days to get to you. But if that's the case, then we do have mediums on staff who can call you and speak with you about what may or may not be going on in your home or business. And in most cases, if there is something going on, they can calm it down until we get out there. Okay. That being said, we are broadcasting on TikTok. We are broadcasting on YouTube Live. We are broadcasting on Facebook today. Uh, we're also got people coming in from Twitter. We're on Twitch today. So uh, we're broadcasting like crazy here. And I just want to get this out there with that TikTok. I see you all coming in. I cannot read your messages. I'm sorry. You're on my uh, iPhone. I got old eyes. I can't see that far. But uh, just I'm just letting you know that I see you. Okay, I see you coming in. Uh, like any other game, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you hear today, uh, we're going to be reading from a paranormal theme book, and this is based on a true story. My our good friend Lynn Monet uh, purchased a house several years ago for her family. It was her and her kids, and they never even really got the chance to move into the house because it was active with ghost activity, and not only ghost activity but dark entity activity. So she ended up getting rid of the house and selling it. So this is a continuation to that. It's called Omnipresent, What Happened Next? So we're going to be reading that every Sunday for one hour to uh, you guys. Uh, you know, usually Sundays. What's a Sunday anyway, right? You get home on Sunday. You're exhausted from doing whatever you're doing. Maybe you did yard work or something. You're just going to sit on the couch or you're eating dinner right now. So dim those lights. Put your fuzzies on. Lay back on the couch or eat your dinner and listen to me. I've had people carrying me around when they're doing laundry and stuff. It's kind of nice. To put me in your pocket, right? Okay, and if you like what you hear today, please let other people know. Share. You know, that goes for all the platforms. Please share. And again, um, if you like what you hear today, if you haven't done so already on Facebook, please uh, follow. Hit that follow button on Facebook. Uh, if you're over on YouTube and you like what you hear today, because like I said, I do this every Sunday. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to uh, subscribe, because we're, 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 we're a few shy of our thousand subscriber number up there, but we're getting there. We're inching over there. So please feel free to subscribe. There's 781 videos or shows rather over on YouTube that you can check out. I also have uh, started to categorize them because it gets way too confusing when you go in there to see which videos are for what. So they're under categories like UFOs, Sunday Reading Day, Nancy Mass has her own category. So that's going on. So uh, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. TikTok. If you could do this for me, I'd really appreciate it. I'm just starting out trying to build up my presence on TikTok. And if you could double tap that screen, I'm, I'm looking for a goal of 2,000 likes today for this stuff. So if you can help me out with that, I'd appreciate it. Just keep tapping that screen. Um, also, I do have a llama goal up there. It's because, you know, everything I do, not so much my life itself, but the, 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 the radio show is funded by donations, okay? So whatever you could possibly help me out with would be great. You don't have to, but it would be nice to get some help so I don't have to stress so much when build time comes, okay? 
but uh, the, but mostly what I'm asking for is I'm asking for some likes. Um, just tap that, you know, tap that screen twice and, and, and give me some double likes. Like I said, I, I want to shoot for a 2000 goal. Now, if you're interested in the paranormal, this is the place to be. Okay. Even if you're on Facebook and you're over on TikTok, I am the paranormal, right? I've been doing this. I've been, a, I've been a paranormal investigator for 18 years. I've had my own team for, for, for 16 of those years. That's the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Now, after we do this show on Sunday, it's the only one we do on TikTok because I don't have the, enough followers on TikTok. So if, if you also, if you like what you hear, please hit the follow button here over here on TikTok, okay? Because we don't, I don't only read a book, okay? I have a show. We have a show that runs Sunday through Friday all different paranormal type topics. So there's some news talk topics mixed in as well. Runs at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay. And uh, you can see that at youtube.com. Thank you for the rose. Thank you so much. Thank you for the rose. I see it. Um, thank you so much. Uh, it, it runs it runs Monday. <laughs> you threw me off. See, you got me out of my rhythm. It runs Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And we have different uh, paranormal topics on there and different guests come on as well. There's also uh, current news topics I cover as well. And those are what they are. So if you want to watch that and you're over on TikTok, come join us over at youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. And you can do that at 6.30 p.m. Pacific every day. Quick warning on this book. I don't know what this what's in this book. I have not read it yet. I'm going to read it um, with you. And I'm going to read it as long as you're hearing it. But... Uh, if it's if it's a topic or there's something in this book that, that you don't agree with whether it's uh religiously or anything else or, if, or you find it offensive this is a rated pg-13 r channel so instead of turning me into TikTok, just move on there's other stuff out there for you to look at right there's no there's no need to get, to get me banned or anything like that i read every sunday all right i've been doing this for four for, for like six months now so you know if you could just you know move on if you don't like something that that comes out of my mouth or something that comes out of the book, please do that and uh, avoid banning me because my goal is not to be banned. My goal is to entertain people and and teach people. Learning about the paranormal is, is, is or teaching and learning about the paranormal is when you do that. Okay, that being said, I'm going to read for about an hour. And like I said, we're just starting this book up. Uh, we just finished uh, uh, Mary Muter's book. And so we're moving back into Lynn. I had her book on two books ago and... Uh, it was scary. The first time the present book was really scary. It even scared me, and I've been doing this a long time. Freaked me out. Weird things would happen after I read it here, here in my studio. Weird things. All right. So, again, please double tap that screen. I'm trying to shoot for 2,000 likes today. If you could do that for me, I'd appreciate it. Same thing over on Facebook. You know, Facebook, if, if you give me likes, you give me thumbs up, you give me happy faces, you give me hearts, you comment in my chat room, it's going to put me up higher in the FYP on Facebook, and they're going to distribute me further out. Same thing with YouTube works the same way. Same thing with TikTok. The more the more hearts you hit, the more likes you give give me, the the further out they're, they're gonna distribute us. Okay. And I'm trying to build this up. So again, I really appreciate the person that sent me the rose. Thank you. If you guys could do that for me, I'd be so happy to get the thing started like that. And to remember to double tap that screen. So again, grab your favorite drink, grab, grab your teddy bear, grab whatever, uh, sit down on your couch or if you're in your backyard or something in the dark over on the East Coast or China or wherever you happen to be and uh, enjoy the book. It's going to be an interesting book. The last book was really good. So here we go. Let me get in here. And it's a it's an ebook PDF format. Omnipresent, What Happened Next by Lynn Monet. I have it really big on my screen because I'm blind. Forward. Lynn Monet 
after recovering from a financially devastating divorce, lived in a single-wide mobile home for almost six years with her children, Austin, age seven, and Brittany, age 13. She slowly rebuilt her credit to a good standing and decided to move to a safer place to raise her children. Lynn contacted a realtor to help her search for a home in the price range she had been approved for. Lynn's budget was limited as a single mother, and there were not many homes available in her price range until one day. Lynn's realtor called her and said, we have to go look at this house now. It just came on the market and this house is almost too good to be true and it's in your price range. I do have permission from Lynn Monet to read this as she is the writer and self-publisher of this book. All right, so here we go. Double tap that screen, please. Please please help me reach my goal of 2,000 likes. That would be great. And again, if you can find it in your heart to donate something, that, that would be great as well. Um, it's not required though, okay? I'm not requiring it. Just it'd be nice to help me out. An hour later, Lynn and the realtor drove over to the house. It was a brick two-story house on a third acre lot. Lynn did not believe the price of 133900 could possibly be correct. The realtor confirmed the price and stated the family had already moved out, making the home move-in ready, and they were eager to sell. Lynn could hardly believe it and felt it was, a intended, it was an intended God-given gift because it was truly too good to be true. Lynn knew after viewing this house and the area it was located in that this house could have easily sold for $100,000 more than what was being asked. Lynn felt that it was her reward after all she and her kids had been, you know, after, after all she and her kids had been through. Upon entering the home, the realtor had problems with keys and a, and a sticky lock. Lynn proceeded up the stairs to the upper level when out of her peripheral vision, she, she observed a young man hanging in the stairwell. She gasped, but then was relieved when she looked at the area directly and nothing was there. She and the realtor continued through the house. Lynn asked to bring her children back to see the house before making her offer on it. That afternoon, Lynn and her children met the realtor at the house. Her children ran around the large yard. Her young son came up to her and said, Mommy, I love this house. They all four entered the home and as Lynn and the realtor talked about her bid, her children were gleefully picking out their bedrooms. The realtor called into the office informing them that Lynn was going to make an offer and found out someone had already made an offer earlier that day. Lynn had to make an offer right now. Lynn's children asked if they could go downstairs, excuse my allergies, and see the rooms below. And Lynn said yes. Within minutes, Brittany returned and said, Mommy, I don't want to live here. I don't like this house. There is something weird about this house. Lynn stood with the realtor, feeling embarrassed at her daughter's comment. Lynn tried to rationalize the reasons Brittany would have said that. After all, they all had been living in a single white mobile home with very little yard. How could she not love this house? Lynn bought the house, assuming all would go well once moved in. Lynn decided to have her children finish the last eight weeks of school and, move, and to move fully into the house in the summer. Lynn wanted to complete the renovations and give her children the chance to go to their new school at the begin, beginning of the next school year. During the renovations, things started happening fast. Lynn was having a hard time finding workers who would stay and complete the work. Lynn had to start doing a lot of work herself and had angry, unseen presences taunting her. She stood on the ladder in the hallway, painting the ceiling, when she felt a draft and heard someone saying, Mommy, Mommy, followed by a higher-pitched Mommy. Lynn descended the ladder to walk to the stairwell to see if the door had blown open. She looked out the front window to see if she could find the child calling for their mom. No one was there. 
and the door was closed. Lynn rationalized that perhaps the child who was calling their mother must have been found. Still, Lynn felt a bit unnerved and left early to pick up her kids. Lynn and her children decided to do a sleepover in the new house. Lynn bought, brought blow-up mattresses and their dog Sally. It was Sally's first time over and she did not want to go in the house. She balked and pulled so hard on her leash that her collar slipped over her head. Lynn finally had to carry her inside. That night, Lynn decided to paint the master bathroom. Upon finishing, she noticed the kids were sleeping, so she left to go to the kitchen to clean up the paintbrushes. She then left the kitchen and saw a horrific-looking silhouette that stopped her in her tracks. She watched as it swiftly went down the hallway towards the bedrooms. Lynn started rationalizing what she saw when, all of a sudden, she heard Sally growling at the end of the hallway. Lynn immediately went to soothe her so she wouldn't wake up the children. Sally was fixated on the master bedroom doorway where the children were sleeping. Her hair was standing up on her back. Lynn had a hard time soothing Sally, who nestled in between the children's blow-up mattresses facing the open door all night. Lynn settled in for the night with her kids and Sally. The morning came quickly. Lynn asked Brittany how she slept, and Brittany told her she, could, she didn't sleep well because it felt to her like something was standing in the doorway watching them all night. After the second sleepover, there, was no, there were no more. The events in the home continued to get worse. Lynn stopped bringing her children to the house. She tried multiple sources to get the unwanted guests out of her house and was turned down. Finally, Lynn was able to find someone who would help, a paranormal group headed by an Episcopal, Episcopalian, Episcopalian priest who blessed the house. However, it didn't work. Then a Catholic priest blessed the house and, once again, failed to remove its paranormal presences. All attempts failed, and Lynn never was able to move into the home. Lynn sold it to a retired couple since she could not bring herself to sell it to anyone with children. At one point, Lynn's conscience got the best of her, and she attempted to tell the new buyers about the ghosts. They refused to listen or even consider the possibility of her story being true. They bought the house. Okay, coming into chapter one, the last chapter first. Again, if you TikTok, please feel, please, please tap that screen, double tap that screen. I'm trying to reach a goal of 2,000 likes today. And uh, thank you guys all for coming. I appreciate it, but keep tapping that screen. Same thing with Facebook and everywhere else. Share this with people if, if you're interested in having them know about it. I'd really appreciate it. I'm trying to get the word out. I'm trying to build my presence up online. So help me out. Last chapter first. And again, if something offends you in any way, we are a PG-13 rated R channel. So please move on to something else. There's plenty of Disney creators and people like that on that you guys can go see and fish and fishermen and all that. So, you know, feel free to do that. Six months had passed since the sale of Lynn's haunted house in East Flat Rock, North Carolina, when she had to travel to South Carolina from North Carolina. Lynn was traveling south on the Interstate 26 and all traffic ahead was not only backed up, but also at a dead stop. Lynn quickly took the closest exit in order to avoid getting caught in a traffic standstill. Lynn did not notice at first which exit she took. Then she realized the exit was Upward Road in East Flat Rock. Lynn started to feel a bit queasy. Lynn had not been off this exit in six months and had no intention of ever getting off of it again. She pulled into the gas station and on the corner to figure out a plan to avoid the accident on the interstate while still getting further up the road. Since Lynn was never able to move into the area, area she was not aware 
of the best roads to take for a short cut back to the interstate, so she decided to follow the road that seemed to parallel the interstate. As she followed the road, it seemed to separate from, view of, from the view of the interstate. She passed by a trailer park and came to a stop sign. Lamey made stop, trying to figure out where she was and which way to go. She read the street sign only to realize she was on a cross street that connected with her previous home, the haunted house. Lynn's choices at the stop sign were to either go straight or turn right. Forward seemed to be veering off into the wrong direction, but the right would take her to a main road with interstate access. Lynn contemplated whether to turn down the connecting street or not. Her ex-East Flat Rock house was just three blocks up on the right, just in. A car came up behind her and blew their horn. She had to choose. She turned right. Lynn knew how to get to, to the internet from the main road. Lynn planned to ignore the streets as she passed by, yet part of her was curious, too. The anxiety welled up in her throat as she got closer to the former house's street. The home was easily viewed from the crossroad corner without having to turn onto the house, the house's street itself. It was the second house on the left. Lynn slowed down as she was about to pass the street. She peered down the street and noticed a sign in the front yard of the house. The sign was placed very close to the next door neighbor's yard, so it was hard to tell for sure from a distance which house's yard the sign was actually in. Lynn was concerned that it might be a for sale sign for her old house and wanted to know for sure. Lynn drove to the next block, turned onto the street, and found a place to turn around. Before pulling back onto the crossroad, she sat at the stop sign. Lynn hesitated for a few minutes as she got up the nerve to go back and turn onto the dead-end street. She knew, with it being a dead-end street, that she would have to pass the front of the house twice, once coming and once leaving. Lynn said a prayer out loud in her car and asked that the new owners would not come out of the house or notice her while passing. She was concerned that if they saw her, they, they would be very, at the least, want, they would very at the least want to invite her inside. There was no way she was ever going back inside that house, nor would she ever pull into that driveway. She also became concerned that if they saw her passing by, they might have a horrible story to tell about the home. Lynn asked the Lord for protection from any negative forces. She turned off the street, the side street with her radio on. She shut her radio off so as to be inconspicuous as possible. She turned onto the street with the house. As she pulled up in front of the house, her heart sank in her chest. Lynn saw not only the sign in her old East Flat Rock home yard, but it was a for sale by owner sign. Lynn was saddened. She had hoped the new family would be able to live in the house peacefully, the same way she had originally wanted to. Lynn had sincerely hoped that perhaps the removals she had attempted had a delayed effect and that some of the many efforts of clearing the demonic presences from the home had been successful. She still hoped that perhaps there was another reason they had to put the house back on the market all of a sudden. Yet she had her doubts. Lynn recollected the day she attempted to tell the interested buyers about the ghosts. They were coming down the stairs from the upper level to, to the foyer in order to exit the financial doors. Lynn remembered overhearing the wife accusing her husband of pushing her on the stairs. She accused him even though he was three steps in back of her. He retorted that he had not pushed her and was unable to reach her from where, she, where he was at. Lynn reflected, remembering in that moment that she felt the wife had been pushed by the wolf-type demon that was notorious for dominating the stairwell and door locks. Lynn remembered trying to tell him about the ghost. She wanted that clear conscience. She did not want them to blindly walk into buying this house 
without knowing, like she had done previously. But they, did, they didn't want to hear it. They were adamant about not entertaining such thoughts. They did not believe in such things and stated they had strong faith in the religion and were protected. They moved forward to buy the house. Lynn realized that despite the new owner's faith, unless there was another reason, it seemed as if the dark forces continued to create unbearable havoc in that house. Lynn drove to the end of the street, turned around the neighbor's driveway, and pulled back out onto the street. She said a second prayer for herself and the new owners to be protected. She then headed back towards the stop sign. It was bittersweet. As Lynn was grateful to not be a victim of that house anymore, yet she was heartbroken for the new family. As she approached the home, she looked over the house directly across the street. It still had the large Archangel Michael statue in their front yard facing her former house. Lynn was reminded of when the neighbors originally put the statue in their yard. It was shortly after she had bought her house. Lynn continued forward, and it coasted directly in front of her old house when, all of a sudden, her radio turned on and blared full blast. Lynn, Lynn startled, frantically tried to turn it off or lower the volume and could not. Afraid that the neighbors and new owners would look out their windows to see whose radio was blaring, Lynn sped up to the stop sign and turned off the block and turned off the block so that she left skid marks so fast she left skid marks once she had completely turned off the street lynn's radio shut off without her touching it let me uh i think my sound is my audio over here i didn't reset it so give me a second okay all right guys so this is better for me okay without touching it so let's move on my allergies are bad Lynn knew in that moment that the monsters were still at large in that house. And not only did she know that, and not only did they know that she was there, but they also wanted her to know they were still alive. If you like this stuff, double tap that screen, everybody. Show me some love. Oh, wow, there's what the house looks like. I've never seen the house before. There's a photo. I wish I could share it with you guys. So let me get through the photos. Okay. After going about two miles down the road, Lynn was still feeling the effects of the demonic attack. She pulled over to a grocery store parking lot to gather her nerves. She felt nauseated and stated a prayer out loud in her car. The prayer seemed to ease the nausea completely. Lynn decided to call her mom and tell her what had just happened. She also informed her mother of the for sale sign. They both agreed how sad it was and set it together for the new owners. Lynn vowed never to go there again. Chapter 2 the previous owners. If you like what you see, double tap that screen. Double tap that screen on, on TikTok, please. I really appreciate it. Trying to build my numbers up. Let's try to get past 2,000 today. Same thing for everybody else. Give me a thumbs up. Show me some love. Show me some love. I'm going to double check here over on StreamYard really quick. Make sure you guys are still there. Yep. Okay. All right. Continuing on. Lynn had a lot of questions about the real person or the real reason the previous owners moved and sold the house to her. She had been told originally the previous owners were motivated sellers. Supposedly, they had moved due to the husband being relocated out of state for his job. It was sad the family was anxious to sell, since they had taken on the expense of a new home and didn't want to have to be making two mortgage payments long term. All the reasons that had been started, stated were in fact not true at all. No one, not even church-going people with strong faith, could live there. Now that the house had been sold and was no longer lens, the previous owners might be more willing to talk about the house. Lynn went into the county records and found what she needed. 
She then went on the internet trying to find out how to contact the Smiths. Lynn found their contact information and mailed them a letter asking for them to call her. Weeks passed and a voicemail was finally left on Lynn's phone to the previous owner, Dan Smith. Lynn called him back. Dan answered the phone, somewhat surprised that Lynn had made contact, and was curious about the reason. Did you or your family ever have anything peculiar happen to you in that house? She asked. Dan hesitated. Like, what kinds of things do you mean? Like the house might be haunted, Lynn asked. Dan chuckled and repeated, haunted? Yes, Lynn continued. And please know that if you or your family have concerns and repercussions, I have already sold the house and never moved in there. I was just calling to validate my experiences. Dan hesitated and then said, I think you need to talk to my wife about this. Could she call you back tomorrow? Of course, Lynn replied, and thank you. I'd really appreciate hearing from her. Two days passed when Lynn received a call from Tara Smith. Lynn answered the phone, and Tara tearfully blurted out, My husband asked me to call you, and I'm so sorry. Lynn, perplexed, said, No need to be sorry. I hope you're not angry with us about, about selling you that house, Tara said. We had hoped you would be able to live there, and that the things would not bother you. My husband told me you had not been able to move in and had to resell it. Resell it. She apologized profusely. Tara went on to say that when she had found out that Lynn had children, she had tried to convince her husband not to sell the house to her. She said they arrived late to closing because they had been arguing about it, but we could not afford to pay for the home and not be able to live in it. Tara went on to say her children would not sleep in their own bedrooms while living in that house. They were horrified of their bedrooms. They preferred to play outside of the house instead of in their bedroom. Our dog would bolt out the door any time he could when the door was open. One of those times, he ran into traffic at a stop sign and was hit by a car. At the stop sign, was hit by a car. Tara said they buried him in the front yard and planted the Japanese maple right next to his grave. Lynn asked Tara if she would tell her what happened inside the house. Tara explained that the house originally was a bank-owned home. The house had been vacant and in need of repair. Tara and her husband had planned to renovate the home, but then ended up only living in it for six months out of the year that they had owned it. The smaller bedroom was weird, Tara said. It had what seemed to be an be animal feces smeared all over the subfloor. The home's floors were mostly bare without covering other than in the kitchen and bathrooms. We hired someone to come in and paint before we moved in. We'd been living without we been living with my parents. We had the carpet installed so we could cl close on the house and move our furniture in. We wanted to install wooden flooring but needed to wait until we could afford it. The carpet was from my uncle who was in the process of liquidating his business, so we only had to pay to have it installed. We were then able to buy the appliances and replace the deck on the back of the house with the money we had saved. As time went on, though, things started to happen that made us decide to sell the house and move. Tara said things started happening pretty quickly after they had settled in. The first thing was the children talking about things they were seeing in the house. Their daughter, Abby, age four, would talk about the angry monsters that lived downstairs with the man. Tara and her husband just thought it was a four-year-old, you know, invisible friend thing. However, they started to become concerned when Abby would talk about the appearances of the monsters below, and especially when they started to find scratches and unexplainable bruises on them. When they would ask her how she got the scratches, she would respond, the wolf monster from downstairs. Abby then said, the things downstairs do not like me. Tara and her husband had always heard invisible friends look like people, not the storming wolf-like creatures Abby was describing. Tara said her son was asked to draw a picture 
of his of his house at school, and he drew the house with horrible beings beside his family. When asked about the grotesque beings, he said, those are the monsters that live at my house. I still feel guilty about the time I got upset with Abby over her talking about the monsters and disciplined for lying. She insisted she was telling the truth. A day after that happened, Tara's son, Liam, age six, asked, why aren't we going to go back and live in Grandpa and Grandma's? I don't like this house, and I want to go back home. The next few weeks passed when Liam showed up in the kitchen with his Bob the Builder suitcase packed and asked him to be taken to his grandparents' house. Tara called her parents and thought perhaps a sleepover would help Liam. He seemed to be missing his grandparents. When Abby found out, she begged to go too. Tara was home alone with the dog that evening, since Dad was working an extra shift at his job and the children were both at, the, at her parents. She decided to watch a movie downstairs. Her dog was hesitant about entering the room and stood there, then wagged his tail in the doorway of the family room. The dog's eyes darted back and forth from Tara to the fireplace. Tara called him over and he ran, then jumped onto the sofa with her. The dog trembled next to her throughout the movie and would occasionally raise her head and growl ferociously. Tara would soothe him. Raise his head, I'm sorry. Tara would soothe him. She thought his behavior was peculiar. So the next day, she planned to schedule a veterinarian appointment to see why their dog had a sudden change in his demeanor. The weird thing happened. This weird thing happened, Tara said. It was about 20 minutes before the movie was over, and the TV turned itself off. I checked to see if the dog had accidentally sat on the remote. It was on the armrest. Then the light turned itself off. I got up and said out loud in the room, a breaker must be tripping, I sighed, and said, you have another thing to fix. I walked out of the room and headed upstairs, stopping in the foyer to take the dog out to potty one more time before bed. Then we continued upstairs to the master bedroom. I undressed and took a shower, then got ready for bed. As I entered the bedroom after my, sh after my shower, a flash of a man was, was seen standing in the corner of the room. I gasped and looked directly at the corner, but nothing was there. I still felt uneasy, so I went down to the kitchen and got a Pepsi, then I took it back to my room. I stayed awake and read in bed for about 30 minutes when my dog started growling and the light itself turned off. I called the dog into bed with me and attempted to sleep. I still thought the electric panel was tripping and needed some repair. And I was so shaken that I called my husband at work to tell him about the breakers tripping. Tara said the night allergies seemed long and she tossed and turned most of the night. It was weird, like someone else was standing next to the bed watching me. The room would be a normal temperature, and then all of a sudden, I'd be freezing. The house had window air conditioning units, and none were running. I got up at one point and got out a blanket, and then within minutes, was taking it off, and later putting it back on. The dog was restless, too. The next morning, Tara was up getting ready for work, when Dan came home and into the bedroom. He kissed Tara, and she told him about the electric panel needing to be looked at. You know, since being looked at since multiple outlets are tripping. She also mentioned she was going to call the veterinarian and schedule an appointment for their dog. She thought maybe he was coming down with something. He has just not been himself lately. Dan tried, tiredly acknowledged what she told her, what she said, and told her he would be sleeping most of the day. I might get called into work again tonight. I'm on standby. He hugged her and said he would be up to have dinner with her and the kids. Tara left for work and planned to pick up the kids on her way home. She called her parents to let them know she was going to pick the kids up after work. Could you please pick them up from school for me, she asked. They agreed to. During her work day, Tara got a call from her husband. He called to confirm she made it to work. 
He said he was sleeping and it felt like she had crawled into bed next to him, so he thought she'd come home early. He was apologetic that he was too tired and stayed with his back to her. Tara told Dad she had been at work all day and he must have been having a very realistic dream, or was it the dog? They both laughed. Dan said, no, it's not the dog. I had the door shut. Yeah, it was realistic, all right. I thought I could even hear you breathing. Ha, no one but me in here. Well, I'm going to go back to sleep. Tara finished work and called her parents to let them know she would be on her way to pick her kids up shortly. While on the phone, she could hear both children crying and begging to stay another night with their grandparents. Is everything okay over there? Tara's father asked. Yes, Tara responded. We are almost completely unpacked. I was just wondering because Liam and Abby have been telling your mom and I some pretty wild stories, Tara's father said, and they seem to be genuinely disturbed by them. We've only been in the house about three months, Tara said, and they have been telling me odd stories too. But I feel once they get completely settled in, their anxiety will subside. Tara then agreed to let them stay over another night. Tara arrived at home and found Dan in the kitchen. He said he did not sleep well after he had called her because the dog kept growling and barking. He hoped not to be called into work since he hadn't really gotten any sleep. Tara started to fix dinner and Dan's phone rang. He looked at Tara and said, it's my work. They were calling him into work the night shift again. Dan dreaded the call and took solace in the fact that tomorrow started the weekend and he would not have to work. I'll miss you, Tara said to Dan. Sometimes it feels kind of creepy here all alone at night. Dan la la laughed and told Tara to stop watching horror movies before bedtime. They both chuckled. He said he would try to get off early. Tara called and talked to Abby and Liam before their bedtime. She went downstairs in the bonus room to continue unpacking boxes until she heard what sounded like water running upstairs. She ignored it at first, thinking it was running, raining outside. Then she finally went upstairs to see if water was running. When she got to the top of the stairs, the water sound stopped. Tara thought maybe it was the toilet, so she went into the kitchen and grabbed a flashlight. She was not going to get stuck again in the dark with the tripping circuit breakers. Tara tested the flashlight before leaving the kitchen, then took it with her downstairs. The light was bright. She continued to unpack boxes and put things away. She was pleased to have come by her grandfather's lighter in one of the boxes. She opened it and was surprised when it still lit. She had just put the lighter into her pocket when the lights turned themselves off. She was in the pitch black dark room. Tara reached for the flashlight and turned it on. The flashlight would barely light. Tara, frustrated, took the lighter from her pocket and lit it. And that was when she saw what appeared to be a large black snake slithering across the floor towards her. She screamed and ran from the room and up the stairs. Tara was trembling so much she could hardly hold the lighter without burning herself. She reached for the stairwell light switch and was surprised and relieved when the light turned on. Tara's heart was pounding in her chest. She had to stop for a moment to catch her breath. She phoned her husband at work and frantically told him about the snake. Then, <clears throat> Tara took the dog out, and since there was no way she would sleep in the house with a large snake in it, they both got into her SUV and slept there all night until her husband came home. When Dan came home, Tara jumped out of the SUV and told him they needed to exterminate it. She followed him into the house and upstairs to the kitchen, where the sink faucet was running. You left the water running, Dan said. No, Tara said. I only came into the kitchen to get a flashlight, but never touched the faucet. Dan turned the faucet off and said, you were so upset about the snake you probably did not remember. Tara insisted she did not even come back into the kitchen after seeing the snake. Well, Dan replied, someone left the water on and it was not me because I was at work all night, so it had to be you. And they continued to argue 
into a huge fight. Dan finally went to bed, slamming the door of the bedroom. Tara stayed in the kitchen and cried. She could not remember them ever having a fight that bad. Double tap that screen, everybody. Double tap that screen for me. Tara slept in her daughter's room for a few hours. Then she got up and ate some breakfast. She was still pretty upset from the fight with Dan the night before. She called the exterminator and electrician to come to her home. She knew the cost on a weekend would be much more than a weekday, but she insisted they come. Both the exterminator and the electrician could not find anything wrong with the circuit breakers or any snakes. Tara insisted there was one and asked if, if perhaps the snake could have gone out of the house the same way it had come in. The exterminator said yes. However, he did not find any indication that a snake had been downstairs. Tara paid a total of $375 for the electrician and exterminator to come out. Dan slept until noon. When he woke up and found out about the cost being paid and basically nothing wrong, he became enraged about the wasted money spent. He walked out the door to go take a ride. Tara called her parents. Her mother answered and could tell Tara was upset. Tara told her mother that she and Dan had been fighting and asked if the children could stay another night. She did not want them to come home and hear them fighting. Tara's mother agreed. I do not understand what's going on, Tara told her mother. Dan and I never have fought like that. Dan is acting weird, the dog is not herself, and the kids hate it here. I do not know what to do. Dan is usually easygoing and very easy to get along with, loving and kind. If we have a disagreement, it never lasts more than 20 minutes. Today, he is hard to reason with. I think he needs the weekend to catch up on his rest, his mother, his mother agreed, or her mother agreed. Tara started to put clothes away in her daughter's room when a horrible smell made her start to cough. Tara thought it was a septic tank. She left the room and went into the kitchen to give the septic tank deodorizer to flush in the toilet and the smell seemed to follow her in the kitchen. As she bent over to open the cabinet under the sink, she felt the sensation of something with legs crawling up the back of her left leg. She screamed and frantically started brushing off the back of her leg. She stood on one foot, looking to see if whatever it was fell off, and she saw nothing. She assumed it must have been a big flying bug and started to look around the room for it, but never found it. Tara said her daughter's bedroom always had the smell of something dead in it, regardless of how many times she tended to tended the septic tank. The smell just never went away. It was like something had died inside the walls. That evening, Dan came home and entered the foyer, then slammed the front door. He yelled, why did, why did you keep knocking on the bedroom door this morning when I was trying to sleep? Tara responded that she had not been knocking on the door. Yes, you did, Dan raged. I even heard your voice saying my name from the other side of the door. Tara denied this happened, which angered Dan even more. His eyes appeared black. They fought all day, and Dan slept that night in a different room. Tara lay awake crying all night. Dan has never acted like this, she thought. The next morning, Tara got up and made coffee for both of them. She left a note on the counter saying, I'm sorry. Then she went out for a walk with the dog. Dan phoned Tara and started yelling at her for leaving the water in the kitchen running again and how much the water bill was going to be because of it. Tara apologized and said even though she did not remember leaving the water running, she would be more careful next time. She told Dan she did not want to fight anymore. And quit doing such brainless things, Dan snapped at her. Then he hung up on her. Tara picked up the reluctant kids that afternoon and brought them home. Dan and Tara hardly spoke a word to each other for days. In the meantime, Liam and Abby were waking up with bite marks on their legs and backs. The family had been in the house now for four months. Dan continued to find fault with Tara, and the marriage started to fall apart. Tara packed up the kids and the dog and went to her parents' house to stay for a while. 
Dad stayed alone at the house. Dad was now home alone. He exercised and then showered. Then he called Liam and Abby to say goodnight and tell them that he wanted to take them to McDonald's tomorrow night. He got into bed, and while watching the television, he fell asleep. An hour later, he woke up the static coming from the TV and turned it off. He rolled on his side and closed his eyes, trying to fall back to sleep. The knocking on the door began. Dan angrily sat up, thinking Tara had returned and was launching into the bedroom. The door is unlocked, Dan yelled. I thought you were staying at your parents' house with the kids. What did you, what, did you forget something? There was no answer. The knocking continued. Dan voiced a few obscenities and got up to open the door. He flung the door open. Nothing was there. Dan, Dan stormed out of the room thinking Terry had returned and was playing a joke. He heard water running in the kitchen. As soon as he stepped foot in there, it stopped. Dan walked over to the sink and could see the wetness left from running water. Dan phoned Tara and left her a nasty voicemail about what he referred to as her joke. Dan went back to bed, leaving the door open. He was still aggravated. Dan lay there on his side with his eyes shut, just thinking. Suddenly, he felt something crawling up into the bed with him. He could hear a breathing sound. Dan sat up and looked over to see nothing was there. Then he noticed the indentation in the sheets next to him, and it was moving. He jumped out of bed and turned all the lights on, spooked and thinking his mind was playing games on him. He moved into one of the children's bedrooms. He thought he had imagined what he had just seen, but still preferred not going back to sleep in the master bedroom. Dad woke up the next morning and went to the kitchen to make coffee. The kitchen faucet was running. Tara must have come by earlier in the morning and purposefully turned the water on the aggravate me, Dan thought. He shut the water off and then left the kitchen to get ready for work. While Dad was in the bathroom shaving in the mirror, he looked up to see his face, and then he heard tapping on the door. He turned, and his gaze landed on the doorway. He caught a glimpse of a man standing behind him. The man disappeared. Shaking, Dan could not get out of the bathroom fast enough. He threw his clothes on and quickly stopped in the kitchen to turn off the coffee pot. The faucet was running once again. Dan shut it off and left. While in the car, he called Tara. She did not answer his call. He left a voicemail to say he was sorry and to please call him. Later that day, Tara called Dan back after she had dropped the kids off at school. Dan profusely apologized. He started to tell Tara what had happened, and they both began comparing notes. They now understood what the children had been trying to tell them, too. Dan asked if he could come to Tara's parents' house after work. Tara agreed. That evening, Dan came to see Tara. After the kids were in bed, Tara... Dan and her parents sat down and talked about all the bizarre things that had been happening in the haunted house. Dan was back to his old self. So was the dog, and the kids were happy at Grandma and Grandpa's house. Tara went on to tell Lynn that the house almost ruined her happy marriage. Then she said there was more. They, too, had had their church come by and bless the house. They even had a weekly church service in the house. Finally, things started to calm down. It felt as if the ghosts were gone. So the family moved back into the house. Two days of living in the house and everything started again. They tried to bring their dog back in the house after letting him out. The dog immediately started looking for an exit. When Dad opened the door to go, out, to go out to his truck, the dog bolted out the door and ran into the street. He was hit by a car and died. So she said they lived in the house off and on for six months, total until finally deciding to sell it. They moved back into her parents' home and listed it after, and listed it after owning it for one year. Lynn told Tara about the events of the home that occurred with her and her children and the reason she never moved in. 
She also told Tara that it seemed the new occupants were now also selling the home after only six months of living there. Linda and Tara agreed to stay in touch. However, when Linda attempted to reach out with a few more questions, her calls were unanswered. The number was eventually disconnected. Chapter 3. Hello? Is there anyone there? If you like what you hear, please please, please feel free to share this. Um, or uh, you know, And if you're, if you're new coming on to my channels, please, feel, please, please follow. I'm looking for followers, subscribers on, on, on uh, YouTube. I'd really appreciate it. And again, I've got a goal of 2,000 likes on TikTok. So if you don't tap that screen while you're listening, that would be great. Uh, like I said, I'm just starting out, just trying to you know get my numbers built up and all that stuff. So we're just trying, I'm just trying to get things rolling and, and we're going to be doing a lot more on TikTok. All right. Hello. Is anyone there? Let me take a sip of water because it's, it's hot. It's hot today. And I'm dehydrated. Okay. Lynn remained in her single white trailer after returning to it with her two children for about four months. She was cautious while she continued to look for a home to buy. She was not bothered by a person's love, by a person's loved one who had crossed over and would pop in for a visit every now and then. She also was not bothered by apparitions that were lost in passing through. For the most part, they would not be the ones sticking around to live with her. Even though Lynn's tactics were not a guarantee that there would not be any spirit issues coming along with the home, Lynn wanted to do everything she could to minimize the possibility. She could not afford to make another mistake and wanted the safest possible home for her children. Lynn would ask the realtor for all the information on the home the day before viewing. She would investigate the house and surrounding area as many years back as she could. She would call the previous owners when possible and ask if they had had any recollection of ghostly visits. She checked for distances from graveyards and hospitals. She checked for sinkholes in the area or the paper mills at home or paper mills at home history. Lynn would ask to enter the home ahead of the realtor so as not to stir up any dust and avoid dust bubbles in her pictures. She also explained to the perplexed realtor what she had experienced in her last home purchase. She did not care whether they believed her or not. Lynn was never going to go through buying another infested house again. She would notice things like, did the door locks open without excessive difficulty? She also looked for particular odors. Upon entering through the door, Lynn would also step inside and stand quietly for a minute to feel the energy in the home. The feeling in the air, so to speak, says a lot about a house, especially to an empath. Is the feeling in the room heavy or light or easy to breathe? Is it hot or appropriately cold inside for the time of year? Does it feel like a negative pool or is it balanced and clear? In the case of homes where someone has passed away, the suffering or cause of death can also sometimes be felt. One may wonder why, when they walk into a home, they feel a tightness in their chest, or that it is hard to breathe. That person may find out later, the person who resided and perhaps died there, may have crossed over due to a heart attack or pneumonia. Lynn would call out, hello, is anyone here? Lynn found that most of the time, earthbound souls would come out and make their presence known. The exception was if they were sleep, sleeping in the walls or something more sinister was controlling them and they were hiding. The negative energy could be felt in those cases. If no one presented, then Lynn would call it a second time and wait a few minutes. Whenever Lynn would come across a house of interest, 
She would request a second viewing in the evening and return prepared with both 35 millimeter infrared cameras to take photos. Lynn did not want to make the same expensive mistake she had previously made. After taking many photos, Lynn would then go home to download the photos to her computer and look for apparitions of earthbound souls, imprints, or demons. Apparitions are lost human souls who have not crossed over and still reside in the home or space. Because they have not crossed over, some may appear grotesque with the cause of death apparent. Some appear as orbs. The orbs can travel past swiftly as they dart in and out of walls. They can stop in midair and linger. When I'm close, within a foot or two of the observer, they can have a high-pitched buzzing sound similar to a mosquito or no sound at all. Any further distance oftentimes creates frequency change in one's ears. Either a ringing sound or a pressure sound similar to wind on a plane shift in altitude, along with a hushing sound. The frequency change in the right ear has been said to be a spirit who is nearby. A ringing tone in the left ear indicates they are farther away. Both are in viewing range. Now, just as an FYI, you guys, I've been ghost hunting for 18 years, and I'm not a big fan of orbs, okay? This is, the re Lynn has done her research, you know, about orbs, but uh, I'm not saying I agree with her, I'm not saying I disagree with her on this, but I am not a big fan of orbs, so we're just going to read this. Skeptics believe that orbs are dust particles, pollen, static discharge, moisture, or stray lights. While this would be true in some cases, orbs are often balls of energy. The Ghost Research Society has managed to capture orbs when all of those possibilities were carefully controlled and ruled out. I can buy that. The denser and brighter the ball of energy, the more likely it, 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 it has to be an orb. If one zooms into a picture of an orb, it is often possible to see what's inside it. Perhaps one may even recognize who or what it is. I have seen orbs and faces in them over the years. Orbs, in layman's terms, are spirit spaceships. Spirits use them as vessels to travel in. In appearance, orbs are spheres of energy that travel and emit light from within. They are either white or feature different colors. Sometimes they also feature faces, some of which are inverted or even angels inside. Some people can see them with the naked eye. When the orbs are traveling at high speed, they appear to have a white ribbon-like segment of tail following them. This is not actually part of the orb. It is the light from the orb trailing it, like a comet or shooting star. Pets can see them too. Orbs are thought to be vessels that, be, that people, spirits, angels, pets, and demons travel in. They are best seen through infrared monitors or captured on digital pictures with 35mm cameras. When orbs are caught on video, they move at rapid speed. They can also come to a dead spot and redirect quickly. Orbs can be found indoors and outdoors. They often travel in twos or groups. They do not set off motion detectors. So she's showing pictures of some orbs. The pictures on the next few pages are pictures of orbs indoors and out during the day and night. So these are just the various pictures of different orbs. So here we go. And she's got a picture of a blue orb in here. And this is, this is this one can be seen coming lower and towards the observer. Lynn has a video of it moving. The photo is on the next page. Okay. The blue orb up close appears angelic with wings and a pink aura around it. It has come from the clouds to greet Bill and Lynn. They saw it one more time and entered their hotel room along the ceiling line. Bill and Lynn both saw it after they had just gone into bed. Then it went back out the way it had come in. The motel was within walking distance of the stock, taken in Florida. This was taken in Florida. 
Okay, let's get back into the story there. So here's another blue orb taken in a different state by someone who saw the orb and the sky lowering towards them. So they ran in the house to get the camera. They were surprised to see it was still there and landing in their yard. They took a video of it. Which photos are from the video camera. Okay. All right. This was the second time the person had seen this type of color of orb coming near them. Both times were around the full moon. First seen with their eyes and pictures were taken. Just as orbs are energy, so are people. And so is spirit. Everyone's surroundings are, are energy and, and vibrate. Okay, everyone's surroundings are energy and vibrate and, and, and energy frequency. Certain actions raise one's personal vibrational energy, allowing one to see and experience orbs. As mentioned before, pets see them too. Often the orbs will play with one's cat or dog. Perhaps that's why cats love laser pointer toys so much. Traveling blue orbs appear similar, yet in different states at different times of year. They also appear differently in the daylight than in the dark. The best way for an individual to interpret an orb's color meaning is to search for their own feeling and see if the color of the orb has any significance to them. Lynn personally has seen, with her own eyes, blue, red, yellow, white, multicolor, and green. Orbs like the one in the first photo are a lost soul. They travel a lot of the time inverted. So the mouth is on top and the eyes are on the bottom. Here is an orb set to be cautious of. Red by itself is a good thing, and blue by itself is a good thing. However, the combination of the two traveling together, side by side, or blending together, so that they almost appear brownish, are high-level demons. One wants to stay away from, that, from these. Do not react with fear when seeing them. Tell them to leave, remain calm, and stay outwardly. Be gone, you have no power here. Because of Lynn's ability to see interdimensionally, she is able to see lost souls who have been deceased for a longer period of time often show up. They appear in the clothes of the era they died in. They often appear with other, more negative entities, and they are often controlled by a dominant spirit. This spirit could have been an earthbound human soul. It is often a soul or demon who, has, who also dominated them during their lifetime. Children's earthbound souls, especially, will curiously present when called. Many times, after standing at a distance, the child's soul will linger for a minute or two. Then can be seen looking over their shoulder and running off as if a dominant spirit had called to them or was approaching them and they were afraid. The children usually run away from the dominant soul, seeming to hide. This happens a lot with children whose souls are stuck earthbound. There is usually always something menacing keeping them on the earthly plane. A dominant soul takes advantage of them or bullies them the same way they did during life and can often have been, have, have been the perpetrator to the child's demise in their lifetime. Sometimes they are picked up or lost interdimensionally by a domineering spirit. These domineering souls use fear tactics to control the earthbound soul and oftentimes hold them earthbound when they are given the opportunity to cross over. The longer a spirit is on this plane, it loses its way. Children who choose to remain earthbound often do it for the same reasons matured souls have awaiting a loved one or worrying about a loved one. Some are burdened with guilt by their beliefs and believe that they are not worthy to cross over, that they will not, that they will go to hell. So they avoid crossing altogether. Again, if you're feeling uncomfortable with what I'm reading, and that goes for you guys on TikTok, that goes for people on Facebook, you know, everywhere that I'm reading this, please just move on. You know, do not turn me into like, the, 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 the cyber police or anything like that so that 
you know, they're either getting a ban or anything like that. PG-13, rated R channel. Just move on. There's so much more out there to see besides this. All right. But if you're comfortable with it, hang out with me. Let's read, the, let's read this book, okay? Dapper Dan. There once was an apparition who would show up in the hallway that Lynn worked in. He would watch from a distance every time a resident was actively transitioning over, as many lost souls often do. Lynn is a nurse, by the way. Lynn nicknamed him Dapper Dan. One particular evening, Lynn was standing in the hallway near a room where one of her clients was actively transitioning, when she noticed a well-dressed apparition peering from the sitting area across from the client's room. The gentleman ignored Lynn as he stood there, assuming she did not see him. Hello, Lynn said to the gentleman. Are you related to the family? The baffled Dapper Dan looked all around where he was standing, as if to see who Lynn was speaking to. Hello, Lynn said again. You there, the gent with the brown suit. Dapper Dan looked again over each of his shoulders, then finally looked in Lynn's direction and reluctantly pointed to himself. Yes, you. Dapper Dan approached Lynn's medication cart curiously and asked with his heavy Irish brogue, Me lady, can you see me? Of course, she replied, and you can see me. Dapper Dan nodded. He was, he was of average height and build, but was very, a very handsome fellow who appeared to be in his mid-thirties. His dated attire appeared to be from the early 1800s. He was stylish for that time. His outfit was completed with a cravat and vest. I think I hope I said that right. Cravat vest. He appeared to have been a man of means. Dan reached into his pocket and pulled nothing out. I miss having me watch, he told Lynn. Lynn was able to see that the cause of Dapper Dan's death was present on him. She felt it was cancer or cirrhosis of the liver because of the effects that were showing up in his upper abdomen region. There appeared to Lynn to be holes in that area, similar to Swiss cheese. Why are you still here, Lynn asked him, and why have you not crossed over? I can help you. Dapper Dan seemed reluctant. Milady, I cannot ever cross over, he declared. Why not, Lynn asked. Milady, he said. You see, my wife and mistress have both crossed over, and neither knew about the other. <laughs> Lynn chuckled and responded. Well, they know now, and I'm sure they've forgiven you. You may want to reconsider. This is the perfect time to cross. That heavens are open and awaiting the rebirth of the one transitioning. If you change your mind, let me know, and I'll help you catch a ride home. After all, this could be your last chance. It's not every day a ghost meets a person who sees dead people and does not run off screaming at the sight. Dapper Dan smiled, raised his eyebrow, and cocked his head to the side with a sideways nod, then faded away. The worry and guilt a soul experiences during life can keep them here. Another thing that can keep a soul earthbound is addiction. It is so important for a person to get these types of issues under control before they cross over. It's important to enter clean and free, enter clean and free of addiction, and to exit the same way. This does not mean that a person with an addiction will not cross over. They just might be more apt to refuse crossing over. They remain in the fourth dimension. There are 12 dimensions that we know of on this plane. There could be more. The earthly plane is on the third, where embodied souls live on Earth. And the fifth dimension is where they cross over into, is where they cross over into. The fourth plane is never a good place for the sea soul to be stuck. The things seen in the fourth dimension are often grotesque or unusual. 
Mentally disturbed souls of the fourth dimension are still disturbed. Someone who is headless is still headless. Limbs can be missing and rotting. Wounds are still present. Again, if you feel uncomfortable with what I'm reading, move on to the to, to the content creator. Okay? Alright. Uh, they draw on one's energy, <clears throat> disturb one's sleep, and can bring other souls into one's home through the portal from which they came. There may not they may not be as frenzy, friendly. And emphatically, who would want to be in their position? As for souls of the walls, the only way to know about those, they got hot here or something, unfortunately, is when they are awakened, usually by renovations. They are not happy ones. After all, they have usually been there sleeping a long time. More than likely, they lived in the space when alive and see you as an intruder. So they're cranky when awakened and usually do not like people invading their privacy or their slumber. The same as an embodied soul would react to a burglar in their home or an intruder walking into one's home and starting to rip out the walls and changing bathrooms. Plus, being ignored by the perpetrator because they cannot hear you, that in itself is enough to frustrate and anger anyone, embodied or not. Keep in mind that since these earthbound spirits have not crossed over, they still have embodied soul emotions. In the case of demons, they hide and wait until after one has moved in and everyone is comfortable before they amp up. Apparitions who are sleeping also become active during during and after renovations. They like things to stay the same as they have become accustomed. Black shadow platforms, which show up as snakes, have upright, almost human-looking silhouettes and flat, oval-round shapes with a fluttering edge. The fluttering edge is similar to a tablecloth hanging over the edge of a table. It moves fluidly across the floor and can also be seen shimmying up and onto and off the chairs and beds. These round oval shimmy, the snake slithers, and the human form fades. They're manifested by embodied souls. They are formed by resident, residents where they reside and are left behind when the person moves elsewhere. They're usually created by a buildup of negative thoughts or patterns, actions, and emotions by one or more people who have lived, who have lived or are living in a space. These shadow platforms accumulate like rain making a puddle in spaces where there's a lot of repeated arguing or fighting and hateful thoughts or acts, perversions or negative thoughts or emotions. So they get larger and denser as they soak up the negativity. These platforms in, in themselves are negative and energetic and can, be easily, and can be easily removed by oneself. It's important to clear a home or space spiritually when moving in there to clean up other people's energetic leftovers. Information on how to do this yourself will be left in the ending chapter of this book. These platforms do not leave on their own. They do not follow a person, the person who created them, and are now leaving them behind. They will stay with you as long as you let them and will build. These platforms, when they have accumulated enough negative energy, will eventually become portals for demons to enter. Once demons enter, it is very hard to make them leave and not return. Imprints are similar to black shadows, but are not the same imprints but are not the same. Sorry about that. Imprints can also be man-made and remain where they were left. However, they do not move around and they are colorless to the naked eye. They remain suspended in midair. People walk through them and pick up the feeling, temperament, or vision in the story inside of it. Again, if you like what you hear, show me some love, leave me happy faces and things like that. If you're on TikTok, TikTok. If you're on TikTok, double tap that screen. Double tap that screen. 
There are thought patterns that usually occur over areas in a place that have had a lot of conversation, such as a dining room table or sofa in a family room. The appear in 35 millimeter pictures is as, as great cluster like milky or gray translucent bubbles hovering over the area. Man made imprints are residual thought or feeling or action, but no shock factor. They usually stick with the person who walks through the imprint. This person may all of a sudden wonder why they feel so sad or angry when nothing has happened to make them feel that way. Demons can also instantly create an implant, however, those dissipate after the implant has been purposefully placed in someone's mind or dreams. They don't linger like the man-made ones do and do not remain suspended in midair. It is hot today, I'll tell you. Uh, the imprints demons place upon a person are horrific and scary thoughts. Their imprints, unlike man-made imprints, are so realistic one can feel it. For instance, the snake that has been imprinted by a demon in one's pocket, coiling and slithering out of the pocket and down one's legs. The whole purpose of the demonic imprint is for the shock value. A person gasping in fear energizes them. If the person screams out with fear, it is a quick fix for the demon and its posse. After announcing herself, Lynn would hesitate to give any souls the opportunity to show themselves. If any did, Lynn would acknowledge them and state why she was there. She would also inform them that they are dead, since sometimes they don't realize they are and offer to help them cross over before leaving the premises. When earthbound souls do not come forward, Lynn would proceed slowly and, so and softly walk from room to room. Lynn would take multiple photos of hallways, excuse me, stairways, rooms with fuse boxes, the area where the walls meet the ceiling, fireplaces, especially natural stone ones, rooms on underground levels, the outside peripheral of home and yard, baseboards, and anywhere there was a draft of warm or cold or a gut feeling. Lynn's best we weapon was that she could see the apparitions a lot of the time, but she would still take pictures of them to verify the type of apparition and confirm that, it, that, that that's what it was. She would become quickly uninterested in homes, in homes that had a death and any kind of known trauma in it. She would also pass on homes if there were multiple sales in a short period of time or cemeteries or hospitals within walking distance or, of course, if the price was just too good to be true. Lynn did not want to ever again go through anything like what she had just been through. Making the same mistake of buying another demonically infested home was not an option. On the contrary to many beliefs, sage or smudging a home is not enough to make hardcore earthbound sellers leave. And with demons, it does, not, it does nothing but aggravates them and makes them move away temporarily. Then they return with a vengeance. Sage or smudging can help prevent and dissipate in prison platforms. It can also act as a repellent when no ghosts or demons already reside in space. Sage works well to neutralize negative energy left behind by embodied spirit souls. It's also an elegant source to purify and balance the energy in one's holy area at home. It cleans up after a, haunt, after a haunting removal to neutralize any adverse micro energies left behind one. In the case of uninfested areas, it works well to remove the negative leftovers and to balance the energy in one's room or body. Lynn wished, wished she had had all the knowledge about ghosts and demons she has now before she had purchased her last home. Looking back at those pictures, Lynn can now see multiple indications of ghosts that she had unknowingly hit miss. Lynn looked at 12 homes prior to buying again. Six had apparitions, two needed a lot of renovations, and four were considerable. Lynn returned to a two-story home on the considerable list with her son. 
She wanted Austin to watch me to see what he thought. Lena had been there earlier in the day with the realtor, and it seemed okay. Little did she know it had a woman's spirit that had been hiding during her first visit to the home and was found by her son. Another home had a key box, so they were able to let themselves in with a code. Austin entered the area ahead of her. He turned to Lynn in the doorway and said, Did you see that? What? Lynn asked. I thought I saw something flash by, but I'm not sure, Austin replied. They continued up the stairs together to view the upper area first. When they came back down the stairs, Austin went to look in the kitchen, leaving Lynn standing in the living room. Lynn turned and saw an energetic movement in the air. It looked like gas vapors in midair and was something that was coming closer to her. She knew it was a spirit that did not feel friendly. She never expected that to you know what to happen next. She said, okay, she saw the flash of an older man with his hands up at shoulder level and straight out. He placed something around Lynn's neck and was attempting to choke her. Lynn started to cough and moved away quickly as dark shadows swirled around the old man's spirit. Lynn, still coughing, went to the front door and exited. She called for Austin. They left. Austin told Lynn he didn't want to live in that house. He said he saw a creepy older man when they entered the master bedroom. Lynn informed Austin she had met the man and that, she had come, and that he had come to her in the living room. She went on to tell Austin he attacked her and tried to choke her. She continued to feel the energetic discomfort as if a constructive rope was around her neck while they drove away. The next day, Lynn woke up and her voice was literally gone. It stayed that way for about a week. Lynn marked another one off her list. Out of the 12 houses, Lynn finally bought a bungalow-style house in Asheville, North Carolina, very close to her work. Since Lynn's abilities to see her, to see interdimensionally, were awakened, she has used she had to use discernment on many levels. People from many places who had heard her story would come to see her, seeking validation for their own apparition issues and advice. All right, that's going to be it today. Uh, we'll start chapter four next Sunday. I hope you guys enjoyed the book. Uh, there was a lot in here. Let me get back to StreamYard here. Okay, there we are. I hope you guys enjoyed the book. It uh, It's already start, turning out to be very interesting. Uh, thank you, TikTok, for joining me. Thanks for everybody that watched. I hope to see you guys next week here, 6 p.m. Pacific, every Sunday. I, I read from a paranormal theme book. This is going to be the one for the next few weeks. But I, I'm glad you guys came, and I really appreciate it. All right. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, Share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. We're just trying to get the word out about our show, and uh, hopefully that happens because uh, I think we have a pretty good show here. Again, uh, for people that are on TikTok or anywhere else other than Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, if you want to see the show live during the week, you have to go to youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. In fact, our guest tomorrow, we're going to be talking to Demon Hunter, Jeffrey Seelman. He's going to be with us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and see ya. All right, you guys, Facebook, I uh, will see you tomorrow. Uh, you know, everybody else, all the usuals, TikTok. Uh, well, yeah, TikTok. It's really hot right now. TikTok, YouTube, and all that good stuff. I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. with Jeffrey Seelman. See ya.